be topics that comes up directly or indirectly and is really important to get a hold of is right effort and um, what that's about. And simply defined, right effort is the the uh, putting away that which is not necessary or unskillful um, and keep putting it away when it creeps back in again. Uh, and to uh, so a sense of protecting oneself from unskillful influences, protecting the chitta. And another aspect of it is to to seek um, that which is skillful, to look out for opportunities to cultivate skillful, um, to incline towards any anything skillful uh, on any level, and then to make the effort to sustain and encourage and enjoy and appreciate that, take it in. So these can be seen as four different modes. That is the protecting oneself from unskillful or irrelevant or distracting um, stimulation of some kind or inclination and and keeping on uh, guard and uh, being aware of that and then inclining towards that which is skillful, useful, pertinent, has good results and uh, staying with it and enjoying it and taking it in. This is the, again, this is kind of theoretical because what is skillful, what's useful, how does one put aside, how does one protect, how does one lift up, how does one enjoy, and what is. So, uh, and you know, we've got these words, haven't we? And like all language, uh, what it's how it occurs in 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 context so right effort you have this uh what's called the threefold uh aspects or three three factors that are crucial for cultivating uh samadhi and uh this un- unification of heart this which is considered to be um, a requirement uh, because why is it required because actually it's like we've got everything in in hand it's all collected together there's a potency there and so we can look directly into be with experience because the mind isn't sh- moving around and and dropping things and that which is useful and that which is all gathered together it can be experience can be um, both mind firms up, feels enjoyment, and has got the topic in hand. Mm-hmm. Now the three path factors are right view, right effort, right mindfulness in this respect. So right view precedes right effort. And so it's important to see that the relevance of this, because generally we say effort it's not necessarily preceded by deep or or full recollection of right view. It's often preceded by somewhat um, um, well, no, it's not wrong view or, or not right view. You know, I should make a big effort in order to get somewhere. Do some. I should make an effort 
so that I can achieve something. Um, and then all kinds of I am um, critiques going on about how much effort and and it's rather like work, you know, working again with a certain performance quality to it. Um, this is not really the right view. I think one of the kind of abiding features that one finds so often crops up in the mind which isn't really there in the suit is this tremendous sense of self-concern and self-image and self-manifestation and self-judgment which is quite strong and this seems to be you know conditioned culturally socially conditioned by performance uh, expectations grades um, crit- criticisms judgments comparisons contrasts with others so this really crystallizes a strong sense of I am and a rather besieged sense of I am as I am kind of on a slippery slope and I could slip off and then lose my place at any moment <laughs> and you know so this cannot be a place to start from because it's rather it's very insecure mm. And it's it's under it's under pressure of the need to achieve and to make something happen. Now, however laudable the aims are, the results. Yes, I would like to be enlightened or be more compassionate or be whatever. You know, that that sounds a reasonable notion, but the basis is isn't correct. You know, the foundation isn't correct. Is founded, and it's not anybody's fault. This is conditioned in a very strong sense of self-consciousness, and sometimes when you always feel it when you sit down, the moment you sit down, you sit there, and for a few seconds you're all right, and then suddenly I am meditating, oh, and then it starts. <laughs> How to do it? It's precarious. It's it's a sort of precarious quality there make sure it's slippery tottering defilements hovering around ready to pounce uh, you know it's a very f- sort of walking a tightrope quality to it so and then the meditation becomes rather difficult because yeah the difficulty comes i mean breathing in out should be a child's play shouldn't it kids probably do it very well but because the the I am sense, the self-consciousness sense, creates a kind of particular mood. Uh, you know, I'm not saying this is the same for everybody, but there's this strong tendency, if that's there, to create a particular mood which is not suitable, does not bring good results, does not lead to uh, the fruition of skillful factors. It's too narrow, it's too nervous, it's too insecure, it's too precarious, it's too needy, you know. This is just the structure, it's not that anybody's particularly personally, it's just the structure of that is sort of quite um, fragile in some ways. Now we look at right view, 
And just also to recognize, you know, um, there's a lot of, it's quite impersonal language, right view, there is, there are the results of good and bad deeds, there are the results of good and bad deeds, there is the results of that which is offered, there is the results of giving, the results of sacrifice, there is mother, there is father. Um, you know, there's, there's no, no, the I am doesn't appear anywhere in that list. It's really beginning to survey experience or acknowledge experience, experience without an experiencer. And the causes and conditions, there, there are energies, there are causes and conditions that cause brightening to occur, cause, you know, sort of an uplifting of the chitta to occur. There are causes and conditions that cause distortions and contractions and, uh, you know, definitely felt experiences. This is not just the moral, ju- it's not just the judgment, it's an uh, actual witness surveying and handling and, and feeling the contractedness or the roughness or the harshness or the twistedness or the, you know, all of unskillfulness and, contra- and feeling also the beauty, the fluidity, the warming, the brightening of the skillful. Now, you know, this... So we're bringing to mind, and we could do this walking around, thinking, um, looking at things. You know, this is not. I think it also seems to get so much emphasis on sitting still, which is one particular structure that we can use—a very strong structure, actually—and sometimes. Um, you know, it's made too much of because we haven't necessarily pr- fully prepared the ground to enter such a condensed, such a such a, a strong structure that it really does contain. And you want to have this, your stuff together when that when that containing happens, so it doesn't feel pressed down or numbed out or pressurized because it's a strong structure just you know sitting still holding the body upright you know that people don't normally do that <laughs> yeah they normally bodies normally move around and converse and interact so this is quite a quite a strong thing to do so with right view we just consider uh, and think it, turn it over, and notice. And the Buddha himself said, when he was unenlightened, he just noticed this particular train of thought, when pursued, goes this way. Hmm. Why that should, therefore, that should that that particular train of thought is not to be invested in, not to be given energy, not to be to be withdrawn from. We. We're just pulling away from that. Chitta pulls away from it. Withdrawal. The withdrawal means you you don't give energy to it, 
and you don't get interested in it. Mm. Now, when we, we give it, giving energy to a thought can be jumping on it and wrangling with it. In a way, we give energy to that. So there's a sense of just not 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 my concern, not something to to really give a lot of attention or heed to withdraw from that and you withdraw from that by turning towards something more supportive could be deliberate recollections and considerations of various themes such as you know gratitude uh, kindness generosity mortality um, you know there's a whole uh, the, the buddha the awakened one the dhamma the sangha just Turning through the mind, isn't it beautiful that there is a Dhamma? Isn't it beautiful that there is Buddha, awakened human being? Isn't it beautiful that that Dhamma can be transmitted and picked up by a whole range of people who can follow that and, re- and achieve results? Isn't that beautiful? We I mean, just turn it through through the mind just to get the sense of the happiness of, of the triple gem. Marvellous. Without... Well, where am I in that list, you know? Am I kind of sort of stream entering or really halfway on the path to stream entering or just way down the track from nowhere near a stream anywhere? <laughs> so it's just the contemplating of quite a, quite a you know, dispassionate way. Turn it through, and it does have effects. This is why we don't really have to think about ourselves, because there you are. You know, that, that process happening to you. You know, if you turn these things through, it's your mind they're turning through. So your chitta is the, your empirical experience of, of subjectivity. It's happening to me, you know. Now, you don't have to have a, a name for that or, or have an image of it because it just takes on what you put into it. So here's the sense subjective, the subject enjoy, subjective experience of inspiration or faith or gladness. That's, you know, that's happening here. I don't have to have, separate that as here I am doing my practice. Do you know what I mean? The creation of a separate self who's doing the meditation on perhaps not doing as well as she should, uh, or yeah, that that formation. This is the papancha, the the creation of a of a separate self. Because there you are, you know, there you are. It's happening to you. You don't need to to create somebody who it's happening to because it's already happening to you. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's an addition, and that additional bit is problematic. It's uh, so there's uh, we just turn things, we just enjoy, like something like the aesthetics of it. Could say we notice, you know, when we turn towards the mortality of the body, the you know, the mortality of this body, of that body, of bodies in general. Mm. The, the, the aging and the decline, the sickness of that, what, is the, what does that do? I feel a sense of soberness and 
Hmm. Yeah. Some sense of urgency. And really not wanting to 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 just use this experience rather than just have it of being embodied rather than have it some kind of trophy. So you begin to let go of the surface appearances of the body and use this experience more more skillfully. Recollections. Recollect the the uns the bad things you didn't do. The <laughs> which is always a little more helpful than the good things that you did. So just recognize that all the precepts are couched in terms of refraining from, rather than I will be a good person. It's I will acknowledge the intent, the, the, heart, the violent instinct when it arises. I will notice that violent instinct. I will step back from that violent in- instinct. I will let that move through. That's called skillful. <laughs> So this then we this is something we don't have to. Well, how good am I? Am I good enough? Am I virtuous enough? Am I? You know, when's that ever going to happen? But you can notice an unskillful, you know, thought or mood arise and not catch hold of it and let it move through. And as you do that, you also feel that sense of the good when that arises and moves through. Just notice what one, the, the unskillful the one didn't do. You know, like we refrain from alcohol, um, killing, stealing, lying, sexual misconduct. Um, you know, well that's already putting you way at the head of the field in terms of human conduct, isn't it? <laughs> You're like in the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the rest of it is kind of. But you, you know, you try and create some self-image out of it. it seems silly, doesn't it? You know, a pure, pure little girl. And, you know, it doesn't work either. But noticing causes and conditions and feeling sense sense of oh, how glad, you know, because these human systems can do serious damage, as we all know. Uh, and I'm so pl- glad that 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 hasn't happened or I haven't followed that that hasn't been followed the relief and the happiness of it you feel some some sense of respect these are not then claims they're just acknowledging fortunate and unfortunate conditions this is uh, the right view is always couched in, in just in terms of experience rather than an experiencer. You see what I mean? Hmm. There is mother, there is father, there is some sense of belonging and uh, affiliation and... Uh, uh, we we you know we we're a gift we we are generated through mother and father. This body is generated through mother and father. So this thing is really not mine. Yeah. It's in a way an ongoing inheritance, a transmission. Mm-hmm. 
So we get some sense of even the impersonality of this body and probably also these mental patterns are conditioned in. Mother, father, also, you know, the society, the sisters, brothers, people, you know, all this, get a sense of, of that. So really understanding or, or getting the view of conditionality. Conditionality rather than the view of self. And touching, knowing those, sensing those conditions, conditional ex- conditioned and conditioning experiences as they are. What is to be attuned to? Mm. What is to be mm, fully absorbed? What is to be peeled off or put aside? Now, actually, you know the whole process of of, uh, of samadhi, and I haven't called it concentration because I think this is another, personally, another misnomer. Concentration, for most people, will imply a certain um, act of the will to concentrate, to concentrate on a particular point or object. And it seems to imply a certain stasis of position while you hold the object steady. As, so it's an action. Now the, the nearest thing to that is, is mindfulness, not samadhi. The, the nearest thing to that particular experience is called mindfulness. It's mindfulness is a sense of referring and staying on topic. But actually it's, it's fairly mobile. It's constantly handling, sensing this and discarding. It's, it's a mobile. And it begins to, through that skillful mobility of reference, the mind begins to discard what's not necessary, gladden and appreciate what's beautiful, absorb into it, and therefore it enters samadhi. Samadhi is a, a, a state, not an action. And the one of the key themes in this is it uh, it comes through absorption, absorbing the good. So all our effort is really around absorbing the good, the skillful and the wise. So there's both the skillful conditions, the understanding of these conditions rather than a person. Why is that so significant? Because if it's considered to be a person, it automatically becomes something that has to be held and uh, as mine. You can't, if it's flowing and moving, yeah, so there's got to be some sense of holding and storing and collecting with that. And there's some agency that does that. The agency that does that is called clinging or grasping. And so this is considered an antithesis to what we want to do. Now, so you can't, you don't want to be grasping and clinging to an object in order to get into samadhi. There, because you see, 
that's that's not the process. Now, however, you know, one kind of words it, like really stay with that thing no matter what, or if it's grasping, it's grasping. If it's clinging, it's clinging. And if there's a sense of, of, you know, I am doing it, then for sure there's going to be some clinging involved with that. Because the, the sense of self is the result of clinging. Of, of uh, you know, of holding something still and stable that actually is of the nature to be conditioned and changing. Holding something to be one's own that's actually results and conditions and causes. Is there anything that one can call mine or myself that, that can be there without being held, whether it's my house, my dog, my thought. If it's mine, isn't there some sense of holding it and not wanting it to change, wanting it to be a certain way, owning it, sorrow at its loss? Isn't, isn't that what happens with that? Hmm? But what is the nature of Houses and dogs and thoughts to arise and pass, isn't it? They may do it slowly, but they do it. They are, they're conditioned, they are of that nature. So our, the holding is both going against the truth of things and also, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's an impossibility and it, it distorts experience. And it generates a particular negative energy in the mind, which is a certain, which is this holding quality, gripping quality. And for sure with that, the per, you know, what comes around that, uh, we experience things, we all know the controlling or the trying to make it work or the, and then sooner or later, the, the, because conditions are what they are, they change, oh, I've lost it, I can't do it. So this clinging sets up suffering essentially and when the the i am tries to appropriate or become or attain or whatever clinging comes in suffering for sure is bound to follow so you can even kind of sense it like you're seeing something and you all right then here comes some suffering you know i'm about to get hold of that there it goes here's some suffering on its way here it is i'm suffering now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want it, I don't want it I want it to be like this why aren't people like that I want them to be doing this and they're not doing it the right way that I want them to do it there we go another another round of the wheel mm. so this goes in all kinds of ways I want my daughter to be like this well, you okay, you want some suffering there you go <laughs> who said mine, you know, about it. Now, there's a different kind of, of, of um, responsiveness to, to conditions, so um, mindfulness, and the Buddha likened uh, appropriate uh, holding, or the holding in meditation, to be rather like holding a bird, a quail, 
He said if you hold it too hard, you kill it. If you don't hold it firmly enough, it flies away. And really this means you've got to sense what that bird is doing. So there is a, a responsive attunement to, to, to a theme or an object that perhaps is flexing in accordance with what the creature is doing. It's a light, sensitive, referential holding, not just a, a grip, you know, where we just grip the thing hard no matter what it is, whether it's a, an egg or a lump of metal, we still grip it because there's a blindness to clinging. It's no, there's no refinement to it, it's just a blind clutch. Mm. And so mindfulness is definitely not about blind holding, it's about a sensitive, that sensitivity comes through the process of, you know, alertness or and then proper wise attention. How is this? What is this? What's suitable here? What's the real bit? And then how does that get sensed? How does that get held? Yeah, so that there can be the reference to it. And this, uh, these are then skills and conditions, uh, skillful conditions that uh, will give rise to a quality of unification. Mm. Now, learning learning the skills is almost like con- introducing time and time again the jitta, the heart, the subjectivity, the eyeness. Uh, into the realm of the skillful. And there are various ways of doing this. There's the realm of the sealer. We begin to contemplate, sense that, feel that, enjoy that, uh, recognize, you know, you can do this pretty much all the time and you can think about it and you can see it in others and it, how beautiful people trust each other. Isn't that lovely? And so for the, you can see it, it's no longer my possession. It's not my copyright. Mm-hmm. So therefore, one just enjoys and notices and attunes to the to the the realm of of virtue that that human hearts are capable of. Isn't that rather beautiful, mm-hmm. inspiring? And how's that feel? Mm-hmm. And before you say, well, "Yeah, but I'm not as good as no, no," stop that and just pick up, sense that. But I told a lie like, no, yeah, I know. But just, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so easy just to go off into to abstract. There's the, what's called the, the devotional realm, the recollections of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, the Puja, the offering, and the textures of that. The textures of devotion are the offering, the opening, the uh, loving, the lifting, the praising, the gentleness, the, the 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 atmospherics of it. It's not like you know waving a rattle and and yay Buddha, but <laughs> it's kind of a kind of quieter, more um, tender quality to it. And drink that in. It's notable that that. You know, we have these images of the great meditation masters sitting out in mountain caves or on the trees doing their bhavana, sitting like rocks all day long. Um, but it seems that 
you know, once one looks at the biographies, they spent a lot of time reciting sutras and a lot of time reflecting on the triple gem and bowing and chanting sutras. A lot of time. Just running this through the mind, just running it through, running it through, running the good, the beautiful, running the devotion. They always had shrines, bounty images, um, built stupas, went on pilgrimages, you know, uh, with this sense of just abiding, getting the jitter to abide more and more constantly in the realm of that, of that, uh, that, that texture, that quality, which is holistic. You don't think it, you, you enter it. And being very conscientious about their, about their, their behavior, you know, to the extent of not, you know, being careful that water was filtered in case there's mosquito larvae in it, or, you know, never being careful not to even ask for things in case there was a slight manipulative sense of, of, of approach to, to other people. Just if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, it wasn't meant to come, you know. And really making that so important more important than having one's creature comforts because you know because the sealer quality strengthens and gladdens the mind and so this is strongly encouraged to cultivate this it's a mobile process isn't it we're reflecting considering recollecting there's a mobility to it and yet you know now this is why I use the word absorption rather than concentration. You know, so, so often you know, the word absorption is, is jhana, and the word for con- standard word for concentration is samadhi, but I call it unification. And again, if we look in in the in the suttas, the Buddha's encouragement to the to the bhikkhus is in English. It says, "Meditate, bhikkhus. Here's roots of trees. Here's lonely places. Meditate, bhikkhus." lest this opportunity be wasted on you. And the word meditate is chayati, which is the verb meaning to absorb, from which the word jhana comes. So absorb, bhikkhus. What what are you going to absorb? Well, absorb the qualities of sila, absorb the qualities of sadda, of faith, absorb the qualities that inspire you, absorb the reflections and perceptions that gladden you, that comfort you, that soothe you, that make you feel safe. Absorb it. Take it all in. Be like a sponge. And you notice the quality of a sponge. A sponge is not tight and hard. It can't be tight and hard. It's got to be soft and open in order to drink in. And just that the process of absorbing is... That's kind of what meditation means. <laughs> You know, it's one of the, one of the ways in which one can translate to to meditate in in the Buddhist language. To just take in, drink in, drink in the skillful, drink in, and the skillful can be the moral, the devotional, the calming, the soothing, the grounding, the steadying. You know, that makes us feel more secure, more here, less worried, less nervy, less pressurized. Drink it in. You can't. You can't overdo it. Now that is somewhat mobile. You, you keep putting it in, putting it back in again. So, what are the qualities of a sponge? First of all, it certainly has to be opened, and then it has to have something to drink in, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's not just sort of open in a vague sense. It's it's drinking in. 
Still, when that is full, there's a certain weight to that sponge. It's now become saturated. Then it's got some gravity because it, it's it's steeped. It's saturated. It's full, like a heavy sponge full of full of water. It's got some weight to it, and the weight is the accumulation of the of the very palpable real energies that are there in what so often we take as conceptual, such as goodness, and good equals be good. But what there's an energy of goodness, um, uh, uh, definitely a brightness and a, and a lifting quality. And there's an energy in, in faith and gladness and an openness of heart. There's a particular, you know, I call it an energy, it's dynamic. And it can be felt in an embodied way, just as when you um, see a, a beloved friend, your face lights up. You feel a rising in the heart. That's, yeah, isn't that obvious? So we tuning into that. That's so. There's an embodied quality to these things we may take as ideas taking in now the the right effort is just to keep doing that and to keep you know shedding or turning away from or discarding seeing as irrelevant perhaps is not a bad way of Doing just seeing this is this is no this is not topic this is not relevant this is not what I want to absorb that's that's it there's no need to go into a whole tribunal every time you have a naughty thought <laughs> just yeah you know just not not relevant <laughs> it's not worth fussing over really to be pragmatic about it if we're going to start you know going around picking up all our thoughts all our thoughts it's going to be a busy old day isn't it <laughs> and and you never get to the end of it because you can always find fault it's very easy so just don't don't bother you know and if there is deep regret over an action it so it isn't something you can just kind of see as it really hurts then acknowledge that and contemplate this was called an unskillful condition. That's what it feels like. Okay? That's what it does. And it's time to, how did that happen? How did that catch? One was off guard. One was attracted. One was re reacting. One was in a stressed, insecure state of some kind. Therefore, there was some grasping and unskillfulness happened. Therefore, it's a time to look into that, realize one does need protection, one does need to be careful about one's heart, one does need to have some restraint, one does need to learn to pause around impulses, and now is the time to cultivate goodwill to anyone who might have harmed or offended, and also towards oneself. So the, the qualities of, of goodwill and compassion are also qualities to be imbibed. <laughs>
and never miss an opportunity to do so. To feel gladdened by the the success or the, the skills of others rather than, well, I'm not as good as she is. Yeah, well, (laughs) you know. As soon as that comes in, that which could potentially be joyful becomes a source of suffering again. Just notice that. So we come to, you know, right effort is based upon this right view of the of the need to sense conditions, the fullness of them, how they operate, and to see which we want to keep aligning the chitta to. So, and then with the mind can begin to absorb that. How does it feel? Where does it feel? Where is that felt? Rather than just conceived. Where is it felt? How is it felt? rather than conceived. Now that that experience of where it's felt, we'll call this body. <coughs> There's a certain heartfulness. Very often people sense they feel it in their chests or their hearts or a certain loose, loosening of tension or a certain softening there's a certain bodily texture to to that experience. This is obviously I'm not talking about meat and bones, but there's what I call the embodied mind. Mm. It definitely runs into our nervous system, and it has phys- it has physiological effects, doesn't it? If you're anxious or depressed, that definitely there's some chemicals happening there, and you get physiological effects. Uh, contrary to that when there is the absorbing there are definite somatic and I would think physiological effects Mm. so where is it felt? Where, where is happiness felt? where is gratitude felt? where is conscientiousness? where is tenderness of heart? sensitivity felt. Now, you know, he's not looking at at the visual body, but the felt body. Another, um, perhaps another useful um, note to make is, is the sense of touch. No. Again, there's no, so because our primary mode of attention, I'd suggest, is based on the visual sense, because that's very 
Uh, we are quite visual creatures. We don't use our noses or ears as much as our eyes. Let's sniff things out. You you look at them, and the way the visual sense always infers distance. It cuts things out of the field, the visual field. So as the mind, mental attention based on the visual tends to create discrete objects with a background behind it. Actually, there's an unbroken field of visual phenomena. But the attention based on the eye sees, well, there's that person or that basket, and there's blurry stuff behind it. It cuts things out, creates an object. And it creates distance from that. You cannot feel things with that. I mean, you may interpret, you may get an interpretation. You know, well, that that looks like a nice basket, you know, but that's your mental impression of it, isn't it? You can feel that, but the visual sense does not do that. It creates distance. There's no feeling to it. Now, when we adopt a paradigm of watching our breath or watching the mind, then this is pretty much what will occur. You won't really feel it. You'll try and get it. You'll try and sense it, see it, be clear about it, make it a clear object that's clear in your mind. Those will t- be the inclinations. And if that can, then we'll feel we've got it when that can happen. But as far as I can make out in history, nobody's ever seen a breath. You cannot see breaths. Even if you're in a frosty morning, you might see some mist coming out of your mouth, otherwise they are invisible. No one has ever watched a single breath. So it's purely a metaphor, but you can definitely feel them. You can definitely feel the effect of breathing. And that's, what, tactile? Bodily? Pressure in the belly? Expansion in the chest? Sensations flowing down the nose, the throat? Those are felt impressions. And the felt impression has no distance, and it, 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 it feels agreeable, disagreeable, soft, smooth, rough. That's getting onto it. And that's the embodied sense, is, is primarily the feeling sense of things rather than the visual or quasi-visual description of things. It doesn't do clarity as well. It's not as clear and distinct, but it's pretty much tuned in. Um, it's it's on the, but you don't get such a clear, distinct visual impression, and you don't quite get the same sense of, oh, there it is, and I've I've got it. You are kind of in it, really, because what you touch touches you. There's no separation, so it's like you're you're riding it, you're surfing it. You're swimming it, you're in it, you're in it. <laughs> yeah. And you just need to know how to flow in it and not worry and don't, you know, don't doubt. And if it's not that clear, it's not that clear yet. But there is something about the rhythmic movement of that that has a certain steadying, soothing effect. 
And there's something about uh, 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 the encouragement to sense and, and directly feel that is exquisitely sensitive. You know, it's like holding the bird. You can feel, you have to hold it somewhere between light and firm. And you just have to know in accordance with what the bird is doing, how firm or how light is you can't there's no other way you can do it but by holding that bird. Similarly, you know, mindfulness of breathing is there to to teach us how to hold, how to hold with mindfulness. So first we can't get it right. Um you hold too hard, you don't hold firmly enough or you don't stay with it. It's there to, it's there as a trainer, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Because it, you don't have to do that. You have, the breathing happens by itself. And that's another important part. To allow the breathing. So you want to know to feel it as it actually is. And then how is this going to be... How's it, how, what will be the kind of quality of attention and reference that means well, there will be, be a mindful process, a mindful abiding with that. It generally requires steady input. Just touch, just, no, no, okay. How's that feeling? And quite a lot of vichara is pointing to it, vitaka, vichara, sampling, sampling the qualities of that. Mm-hmm. And if that, you know, if that isn't, you know, if, if, you, if it's not ready for breathing, then it's just going to be sensing the body, the elements of the body, um, and just becoming safe and grounded in that, these conditions arising, body conditions arising. So, you know, that the, the object, or the apparent object, is really a process that itself is, is teaching us how to do mindfulness not just as an idea, as a theory, but as, as field work. This is how you do mindfulness. You know, this one will teach you it, because if you start clinging, it, it's going to go out. If you start thinking about it, abstracting from it, it's going to go out. If you start wondering whether you can do it or not, it's going to go out. If you start wondering if this is the right system, it's going to go out. <laughs> uh, if you start thinking how long you should do it for, it's going to go out. Mm. Any of that, it's going to go out. So it's just steady, abiding for the practice of it, for the sensitivity of it, for the perseverance of it. And, you know, and then, okay, that's that. So we have half an hour of that or a certain period of that and Okay, let's loosen up, take a break, and freshen up, and let's see what happens with walking, or standing, or reclining. There's different, different modes, so there's never, you know, just the one thing. And in fact, mindfulness of breathing, the Buddha, when he first taught it, it was after the, the, the whole Sangha had a three-month retreat, long, three-month-long retreat, doing all kinds of recollections and practices and he said oh wow you're doing so well i think you're ready to do this now so it seems that there was a lot of preparatory 
practices to to saturate the the practitioners in in dhamma so they they were kind of ready for it to 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 take on that that sadhana that that cultivation what is unification mm-hmm. um, it means the mind is is the chitta is settled into 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 skillful the firm the stable the gladdening of of its of its composure so it, this is more the effort then is a calibrating and a sensing and adjusting acknowledgement and direction of intention and energy um, now it may be that sometimes you make that effort is really quite strongly resolved or it's, it's more sensing things you know this is a fluid practice and we need to have confidence in the fluidity and base it on because conditions are variable it's just the conditions of one's own health, one's stamina, one's vitality. That's a conditioning factor. Uh, there's conditions that need to be, uh, you know, one's mind is bowed down with regret or stress or worry. Well, that's a conditioning factor. Mm-hmm. Those conditions have to be settled, cleared. Um, you know, that's all part of right effort. Mm-hmm. So till till the the conditions are ready for a particular collecting form collecting form which is so often we call you know we call this bit the meditation but actually all of it is bhavana so i'll offer this for your consideration this evening and if you like to um, take one of those pause periods and see when you feel like settling back again.